0: Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. It's a joy today to join with you. If you're new to the church, or maybe it's your first time visiting the church um, around the country, around the world, Many churches are celebrating something they call Advent. And if you ever wonder what Advent is, Advent is Latin for an anticipation, an anticipation of a coming. And obviously um, in Christianity, that anticipation and that coming is of Jesus Christ on December 25th. And the first week we lit the candle of hope, um, represented by a purple candle. The second week, last week, we lit the candle of peace, the peace that Christ can bring. And many individuals, when they see an Advent wreath, they see three purple candles and they see one pink candle and they always assume the pink candle must be lit last, but that's actually not true. The pink candle is always lit on the third week of Advent because the pink candle represents the attribute of joy that Christ can bring. And that joy this week, is a reminder for all of us during this season. You see, the truth is, is Christmas can be one of the most incredible times in a family's life. But for some families, it can be difficult. And what joy is meant in the darkness, in anticipation of waiting for the star, the coming of Christ, it's meant to remind you of the hope and the peace that Christ can bring. And so today, it is a joy for me to join with you in lighting the candle of joy, reminding all of us, that Christ is coming. For those of you visiting, we also continue a message series today entitled The Hidden Cost of Christmas. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been taking a look at the Christmas story. We've been taking a look at different individuals and their parts in this Christmas story, and I've said in the last couple of weeks um, that many of us think that the Christmas story is a simple story. Uh, you know, a Christmas pageant at school. This past week, I saw pictures of a lot of Christmas pageants. We had one even here ourselves. And you see the kids dressed up as shepherds and as sheep. Um, but if you really understand scripture and you really have read it and you understand historically, the Christmas story is anything but simple. There were a lot of costs associated and a lot of sacrifices associated with the Christmas story. And there's a lot for many of us in this room to glean from this Christmas story. Today, we're going to introduce a couple of characters, one by the name of Herod. Herod was the king of the Jews at the time of Christ's birth. Um, But there was also another group of individuals called the three wise guys, or affectionately known as the three wise men. And we're going to tell their story a little bit and their background, but more importantly, we're going to begin to understand um, how maybe the decisions that they made reflect some decisions that we make in our life every Christmas season. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to Matthew. It's in the New Testament. The second half of the Bible tells the story of Jesus's birth, um, his ministry. And we can begin in chapter two, starting in verse one. You can follow along on the television screen here. If you've got your iPads, your iPhones, you can follow along as well. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, not only do you have the notes, but you have some extra notes in there that we probably won't get to today. Just a little carrot to entice you to download that app. You don't have to take notes. It's right there for you. Ready? Here we go. Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 3. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. Don't miss this. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone. Now, in order to really understand this, here's Herod and you have three wise men that come in and they say there is a king to be born in Bethlehem, we saw a star and you all of all people should know that we have a new king. And it says that Herod was deeply disturbed as was everyone in Jerusalem. Let me give you some background on Herod. Herod was a brutal dictator. Um, Herod, he had his brothers, two brothers and one wife killed for suspected treason. He also was married nine times for political and lustful reasons. Herod was all about himself. Herod was about protecting his kingdom. Herod was king of the Jews, but he was not considered Jewish, which is why he was very, very afraid of someone coming and knocking him off of his throne. In fact, he was known as an Idumean. An Idumean is a descendant of Esau. For those of you who know the Bible, you know. Esau, the story of Isaac. Excuse me, the story of Esau, and you know that he was a descendant of Esau. So here is Herod. He's worried. He's petrified. And all of a sudden, you have these three wise men come in and say, "Hey, where's the new king?" Now you can imagine how deeply he disturbed he was. No, there's no other king. I'm the king of Israel. But then you have these three wise men, and the three wise men were known as Zoroastrian. Priests. If you look up, you, um, Zoroastrian priests were known as keepers of the fire. And their religion from Persia, around that area, they were Eastern religions and they kept the fire. They were also known for great wisdom. They were known for understanding plants as well as astrology and stars. The Zoroastrian priests, they're sitting there in the area of Persia and they look up and they saw a star. Now, pause. Many of us in this room, when we read the Christmas story, we say, okay, Terry, tell me about this star thing. You know, the, the, we have the movie in the theaters called the star and the star is there. It seems to move. It shines a light on the stable. I mean, is all this true? Was there a star? Um, so here's what the belief was back then. I wasn't there. So I, I can't tell you exactly what happened, but what I can, can tell you is the belief during that time is when a major historical event was to occur. That astrologers during that time would say the stars would tell you when an event would occur. And so the Zoroastrian priests were there. They look up into the sky. They see a star settling over Jerusalem, more specifically Bethlehem. They go back to their historical documents in their scrolls, and they begin to see that, yes, there is an event that is to occur. There is an event near Jerusalem and Bethlehem, the scrolls, the Old Testament, Tells us in the book of Micah, which we're going to see in a second, that yes, there is a new king that is to be born in the area of Bethlehem. So Zoroastrian priests, onward! We want to bring gifts to this newborn king. So let's go to Jerusalem, and we'll find out where he is. Here we go. So Herod calls a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law, and he asked, "Where is the Messiah, this new king, to be born?" They tell him in Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And this is what I mentioned. This is Micah. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Now, just an extra note for it. There are many of us sit there and they say, well, Terry, you know, the religious leaders, I mean, do they really understand? I mean, why Bethlehem? And is Bethlehem really true? I mean, was it Bethlehem? Is it specific? Um, a couple notes for you. I've been to Bethlehem three times and it is known as one of the most accurate historical sites in In history, in other words, they can trace back the first recorded voice or verbal description of "this is the place where Jesus was born" far earlier than many of the historical places we see in Jerusalem. So, in other words, many individuals would say, "No, there is no doubt that this in Bethlehem is the place." where Jesus Christ was born. Now, why is Bethlehem significant? And does it really matter in scripture? I will tell you this. If you've ever read the Bible and you go into times of Jesus in the new Testament, Jesus, he's referred to as the bread of life. Now, why do they call him the bread of life? Why do they even mention that? Because what you need to know that is Bethlehem, the city is defined as the house of bread. And so Jesus was the bread of life coming from the house of bread in Bethlehem. The religious teachers are standing there and they look at Herod and they say, yeah, Herod, there was a star and Jesus is born or the king is born. And yes, he's here and he's probably in Bethlehem. Now here's the problem. And here's what I have a problem with. And here's what many of us have a problem with if you've read the story. How could the religious leaders, the people who understand scripture, the people who know the word, the people who should absolutely, when the star appeared, know that something amazing is happening? How is it that Persian, Zoroastrian, Gentile priests who don't care about Christianity or shouldn't say that, don't really have as much investment in Christianity as the religious leaders do, how in the world do they miss it? Let me illustrate this a better way. I have a friend of mine and I'll tell you his name because you all know him too. A friend of mine who about several years ago, I would say, I can't put a number on it. He was at his house and he was tired of the cable service that he had. And he decided at that time, he says, I I need to go to DirecTV. I'm going to get DirecTV. I'm going to get a satellite dish, and we're going to get hundreds and hundreds of channels, and it's going to be amazing. So he went ahead and he called DirecTV. He had a person come out because he had heard that the place where he lived was a little difficult. You can't get the signal strength. And so he called a person out from DirecTV to come and see what the possibilities were. He told his wife, hey, I'm just going to have him come check it out. You know, I'm not sure if we'll pull the trigger. We'll see. She says, it's okay. So she goes to work. He's at home. All of a sudden, DirecTV comes out. True story. The person goes and he goes in the backyard and he looks all around the backyard. He looks next to the house, one side of the house, looks to the other side of the house. And then you see him walking in the front of the house and he's walking all through the front of the house. And he's got this little thing that he's using and he's trying to find something. And finally he centers in one place and then he walks up to the front door and knocks on the door. He tells my friend, he said, Hey, he said, I got good news and I got bad news. He said, the bad news is, he said, on your property, there is really no good place to put a satellite dish. There's no place in the backyard, on the side of the house, next to the bushes. There's no place to inconspicuously put this satellite dish. He said, but the good news is I did find one place. And so if you really want DirecTV, you can have it. But let me show you where I've got to put the satellite dish. True story, not making it up. So he walks my friend out into the front yard in smack dab in the middle of the front yard, center of the front yard. And he points down and says, this is where we'll have to put the satellite dish. My friend, because he's so focused on getting direct TV, goes, so you're saying we can have direct TV? And he goes, well, yes, sir, but the satellite, great, great, do it, do it, awesome. He goes back in the house, true story. So he's in the house, he calls his wife, he says, honey, good news, we can get a signal. I didn't think we could get it. This is gonna be great, we're gonna have direct TV. And she goes, where is he gonna put the satellite dish? Oh, it's somewhere, you know, don't worry about it, it's gonna be great. So he's in the house and he's all excited and he's looking up in the pamphlet because he gave him the pamphlet and all of a sudden he sees the person go and get the equipment. He gets the First he gets the post digger and he takes the post digger and he starts digging a hole and my friend is sitting there going, this is going to be great to get DirecTV. And he digs a big hole in the center of the front yard. He goes back to the truck and he gets a big post and he brings the post and my friend's sitting there going, this is going to be great. And then he goes and gets the satellite dish. Awesome! And then he makes one more trip and he pulls a wheelbarrow out the back of the truck and three bags of concrete. And he starts wheeling, true story, wheeling the concrete to the area. My friend comes out and goes, you know, this area, is the ground it's not very, very settled. We have to put concrete in so that way it doesn't move. Okay. He goes back in his house and he's in the house. He literally tells me I'm pacing in front of the front window. And I'm saying, it doesn't look too bad. There's the post. No, it's it's hardly noticeable. It's not that bad. And okay, well, there goes concrete. Concrete's going in. And now he notices their neighbors who come out. Look at the spectacle in his front yard. It's still going to be good. 200 and some odd channels. This is going to be great. So finally, the guy is putting the concrete in, puts the satellite dish on the top. And at that moment, my friend says, it was like it snapped into my brain. What am I doing? My wife is going to kill me. I won't be able to enjoy DirecTV because I'll be dead. So he runs outside and stops the person and says, you're going to have to take this all down. There is no way we're going to be able to do this. That friend is Stephen Hand, your worship pastor here at our church. <laughs> he gave me permission to tell that story, so you can, you can talk to him a little bit afterwards. His wife's name is Jessica, and you can pray for her. But anyway, here's the point. You have religious teachers of the law in the kingdom of Jerusalem that should be waiting for a newborn king. But they're all happy in the castle. They're happy in the palace. And their focus is on, I'm gonna get what I want. And it takes individuals from outside to come and to grab their focus and say, you're missing it something amazing has happened and you're so focused on yourselves and focused on what you want, you are missing the greatest thing that has come to man. See, the truth is it's like King Herod had a satellite dish in the middle of the palace and they were all happy with what they had. I think sometimes we do that in our lives. I think at Christmas time especially. You see, the truth is in this place For those of you that have a relationship with Christ and you believe in Christianity and you hear it all the time, don't miss the meaning of the season, put the Christ back in Christmas. You all know that. And you're saying, yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. Now here's the truth though. Here's a question I want to ask you. This Christmas, how many of you have already scheduled parties, dinners, presents, get togethers? And how many of you have taken the time to say, What are the one or two things we're going to do as a family that we don't miss the true meaning of Christmas? Now, I believe in the food. I believe in the lights. If you go to my front yard, you will see that I believe in all of those things and love them. But I know one thing. I don't want to be like Herod, and I don't want to miss the true meaning of the moment. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. There's a cost when you let things happen instead of making things happen. There is a cost this Christmas if you just allow the holiday to come. You allow the presents to be open. You allow the food to be eaten. You allow the company to come over. You allow all that to pass and you sit on December 25th at night exhausted and say, what did we do as a family to really zero in our focus and attention on what truly is the reason for the season? That's important, grandparents, because you pave the way for your sons or daughters. Because if you are paving the way and saying, look, I'm not saying we don't do anything for Christmas. What I am saying is what is the one thing that we're going to do as a family that we're going to pause in the moment for just a few minutes, maybe a little longer to say, kids, this is important and this is why we do this. So what have you planned? Have you planned anything? Let's continue on. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared, excuse me, appeared, then he said to them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Now, when you read that, you know, just from knowing Herod, he had no intention of going to worship Jesus. He had every intention of finding Jesus and killing Jesus because he was a threat to Herod's throne. And here's the truth for a lot of us. We can place value on things that don't matter. Herod, all of his life, the things that don't matter in life, all of the superficial things, Herod wanted everything to be about him and he missed the true value of the Christmas season. Let me illustrate this a different way. My worst Christmas as a family was several years ago. It was the first Christmas that I was a part of a blended family. Now, if you have a blended family in here, you know how difficult life can be. And you know how difficult traditions can be and holidays can be. Because you're bringing two different sets of backgrounds and baggage and history, and you're plowing them in on one of the most sensitive times of the year. And so at my house, I'll never forget, I was in my house. My mom had passed away when I was 15 years old. My stepmom had come onto the scene, and all of a sudden, here's the truth. I I have a degree in exterior illumination. It comes from the North Pole, the elves, they give it to you. If you don't know anything about it, it's a secret club, but it really exists. Some of you are actually believing this. Anyway, and I remember all of a sudden I had a plan, and I had a perfect plan for our family, and they allowed me, because I was so excited about Christmas, to decorate the front of my house. If you've ever been by my house, you, you can see me every year putting up the exterior illumination. So as I'm there, here is my plan. My plan is on the outside of the house, you have white lights, you put white lights. And when I was younger, we we have a plan. We put this inflatable, we put these lights. Everything has a place and a purpose and it goes really well. I mean, it, it was amazing. I mean, again, I got an A plus in this school. It was awesome. And then inside in the house, because you have to have contrast. You can't have one color on the outside and go on the inside of your house and have the same color. That's no pizzazz. I mean, come on, people, let's go. It's 2017. So when I was there, I would go ahead and put white lights on the front of the house and there would be colored lights on the Christmas tree. It was perfect, beautiful. And so all of a sudden, here comes the first Christmas as a blended family. My stepmom, who also, by the way, had a degree from a lesser school on exterior and interior illumination, it was a lesser school, it was, it was this redheaded stepchild of it. If you're redheaded, I apologize. But anyway, so all of a sudden I go out and I'm putting the lights on the outside and she comes out, true story, she comes out. we talked about this since then. And she has like this penguin inflatable. Well, now in my plan, you know, there, there's no... There's no peng- penguins are South America. If you didn't know, they don't believe in nor- they don't believe in the uh, excuse me not South America, but they're in Antarctica, not in the Arctic Circle. They don't belong at the North Pole, and so obviously that's the scene I'm creating. I'm putting that all in place, and she comes out with a penguin. I go no 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 the penguin you know I don't know where we can fit this, and she says no I think it'll look right, great right here, right next to Santa and elves. I'm like no 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 that doesn't belong there. You don't understand, and so now I'm getting my my feelings hurt, and I'm making a big deal out of this, and she's putting her foot down and everything. So. Bottom line is, is that now it looked like Santa threw up on our front yard because there's all kinds of mess everywhere in the front yard. So I come out from outside and I go, okay, at least I have my tree. And I go on the inside, and I walk in the inside of my house, and there, uh, the tree—it's not decorated yet—and so I go and I grab the box of white light, or excuse me, multicolored lights, because again, the outside is supposed to have white lights. I'm very, very distraught. So I grab the white lights, I start putting on the tree. My stepmother comes in because she also has from a lesser school exterior illumination. She comes in and says, "Um, "Well, I've got some lights that I think would look better." (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) I mean, I mean, please—it's like Harvard, and it's well, I won't mention any other schools I might offend some people, but I mean, come on, please no, th- this is the way it goes and all of a sudden it's well no, I'd really like it we do this every single year and, and it became a big deal here's the bottom line I remember sitting down and I remember giving up on the tree and I remember the tree got decorated and I was seething truth is I was seething because I missed my mom and I was seething because everything had changed and it really had nothing to do with the lights nothing to do with the outside everything to do with just what was going on in the season and so I was making a huge deal about nothing, and my stepmom was making a huge deal about nothing because she had a background too. And so here's the point: it became the worst Christmas in my life, all because of Christmas lights, which really don't mean anything in compared to the season. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down: there's a cost in overvaluing that which has no value. There's a cost in overvaluing that which has no value. King Herod wanted to kill the savior of the world that could save his life because he wanted his stuff. How many of us kill Christmas for our families because we die on a hill and because we make something more valuable than it really needs to be? I mentioned earlier for some of us this season, what are you doing this Christmas to point your family to what matters most? Now, if you don't have a plan, I'm gonna give you four simple things that you can do. You don't have to do all of them, you can do one of them. But let me share these with you first, pray. Before you tear into gifts, before you start everything, before everything gets out of hand, the cooking and everything else, the cleaning, just pause in the morning and say, kids, 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 family, Just we're just gonna pause. And I just want to pray for our family and pray for our extended family and pray for a family member who passed this Christmas. I just want to pray and remind all of us what's most important. Do you have any intention of doing that this Christmas? Some of you, write a note. One of the greatest things I think you can do is if you pause as a parent and write a note to your child and you put it on the tree and you point them to that note and say, this is a gift I want to give you. And they open it up. And the first thing they're going to do is say, that's it. But then the second thing that they do is you say, well, I want you to read it. I love you. And I just want you to know that. How many of you have intentions of letting your family know this Christmas how much they mean to you? Call someone who's that one person that is having a difficult Christmas? Maybe they're a part of a blended family. Maybe they had a death in the family. Who is the one person at Christmas time? You could say, you know what? I'm going to take five minutes. They don't even have to be a part of your family. I'm going to take five minutes and I'm going to call this person because God, you brought them into my heart and I want to tell them how special that they are. And then one of the things my family and I, we do every single year. It was corny at first, I promise you. But every year we have a candle from Bethlehem that we bought. Now it doesn't have to be a candle from Bethlehem. But we put a candle next to the manger scene and before we dive into any presents, we walk around, we go to the manger scene and we light the candle together and we sing happy birthday to Jesus. True story, the first year it was corny and we all felt awkward. But it's wonderful because every year of my son Connor's life, we've done that. And guess what? We can't open presents until we sing happy birthday to Jesus. And I'm thankful for the five minutes that we pause And we really reflect on what's important this season. You don't have to do any of those, but what are you doing this Christmas so you don't miss the true meaning of the holiday like Herod truly did. Continuing on. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw, don't miss this, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod for obvious reasons. They were filled with joy. Here's the truth. There are many of us this Christmas where this Christmas marks maybe not necessarily a great time, but a difficult time. And I just want to share just one word to you, whether you've lost someone close to you or whether you're in a very difficult position. Here's the great news. And you can write this down. Joy can be brighter during the darkest times. The candle of joy that we lit today can be brighter in your heart during the most difficult times. Let me illustrate one last way before we close. Two years ago, I remember I went outside and I started my exterior illumination plan on the house and I was putting everything up um, and it took a long time because, you know, I had to switch some things around. You get to the end, the outlet's not where it's supposed to be. So I called an electrician, knocked an extension on the house. No, I'm just teasing. I moved the lights. But anyway, moved all the lights, put everything in place. I came in the inside of the house. I put the tree together and then I was dog tired. And I remember sitting there, I had a headache. I just wasn't in the mood. And um, all of a sudden, my, my wife, Jennifer, she started putting lights on the tree and we got to the ornaments. Now, typically as a family, we go ahead and we put ornaments on together. But I was tired. I remember sitting on the couch and thinking, I did my job. I got everything up and everything. I'm just gonna sit back. And so Connor is coming by, you know, and grabbing ornaments. And Jennifer, she walks by and she grabs an ornament and she says, um, hon, um, can you get up and can you put this on the tree? I'm um, sure. So I get up, I walk over begrudgingly, I grab the ornament, and I go ahead and I slap it on the tree. I turn around, and she goes, uh-huh, it's a little low. Can you?" I go and I sit back down. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, like it's like literally, I wait till I sit down. And like two seconds later, after you finally, uh-huh, Honey, can you put this one over here? Or you got to put this. This one's heavy. Can you make sure it's?" it's... Yeah, I can do this. And there's "Honey, not that side of the tree." I go and I sit down and I'm sitting there and, and and the same thing happens three or four times and I am miserable and Jennifer can tell, um it's obvious, and I am just not having a very, very good Christmas. Um and so I'm sitting there and Connor then says to me, true story, says, Daddy, this ornament says your first Christmas. Is that my first Christmas or is that your what is that? And I said, Oh no, that's your mommy and I. That's our, our ornament that we got for our first Christmas. Oh, well, what happened? Do you remember? And so he starts engaging in a conversation. I start talking about it. And it brings back memories of our first Christmas. He says, well, daddy, can you come and can you help me put it on? And I said, sure. And I get up and I grab the ornament and I put it on. And then we go back and he says, daddy, this one says my first baby's first Christmas. And I go, yeah, buddy, that's yours. And he's like, really? And I said, yeah, what year was it? I go, buddy, your birthday, you remember? We're going to have to go to remedial classes. Um, No, we reminded him when it was and and we start talking to him and he's like, oh, that sounds great. And I put it on. And then we have a a snowball ornament from Chicago and then we have one from Jerusalem. And and before you know it, I'm up and I'm putting ornaments on the tree. I remember sitting back down and I remember saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm tired, I'm cranky. But the truth is, we've had some pretty special Christmases. Thank you for reminding Matt in one of my darkest moments, the joy that I can have. My greatest desire and my greatest prayer for our church is every family in here would not miss the true moment of the season. We all say it, but do you do it? Words matter. Actions matter. So this Christmas, what's the one thing that you're going to do with your family to make sure you don't miss the greatest gift ever given in the world. Don't be like Herod. Don't have a direct TV satellite dish in your front yard. Remember the meaning of the season. Would you pray with me? God, I'm thankful for families. I'm thankful, Father, for the day that we've had and Lord, in one week we get the privilege of celebrating your amazing story. Father, I pray for the family right now that doesn't have any intention yet or any plan to really focus. I pray, God, that today you would not allow them to go without quickening their hearts. I pray that you would give them wisdom, discernment. I pray that their family would not miss what's truly important. I pray today for those in the room. There are many here And maybe you're sitting here and if I were to tell you, if you were to know that you were to die today, would you go to heaven? If you don't know the answer to that, scripture is very clear. But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a simple gift if you choose to receive it. And so maybe the greatest gift that you could give your family today is by accepting the greatest gift ever given the true meaning of Christmas. Father, today, I pray for every family and I ask that this Christmas would be the beginning of an incredible journey. We bless you, Lord. Thank you for the joy that you give and pray that you'd receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.